Uh, if you've got a Bible, I encourage you to go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, red one's probably in front of you. The passage scripture is in your uh, bulletin. And so, uh, no pun intended, just, yeah, happy Father's Day. If you're a dad here, thank you. Thank you for being here, and I pray that this day is a special day for you, and uh, you feel loved, you feel encouraged, uh, you feel God's uh, pleasure and delight over you, and uh, maybe as you leave here, or maybe you've already partaken of the donuts, that even as you taste the donut, you feel God's pleasure, amen? Because he's the one that invented donuts, right? So we just called it manna, right? There you go. So, uh, so that was just one I made up, right? There you go. Thank you for laughing at that one. So you guys are good. So uh, before we dive into our text, just a, a good a reminder, next, tomorrow starts our Vacation Bible School. So uh, we're really excited about that week. It's always a joy. It's a beautiful way for us as a body to unite together, to do something together uh, with these precious children. So, uh, so yeah, just be praying for it. If you can still step in and help, you can go find Ashley, who's sitting on the front row, probably exhausted and tired, ready to take a nap already. Uh, but she can find a place for you to step in. If you didn't get your kids registered, sorry, they can't come. Just joking. They can still come, so just show up. We got you. Another one. See, I'm, I'm on a roll today. It's Dad's Day. Uh, but no, just show up with your kids. We'd, we'd love to have you. We'll, we'll, we'll fit them in, obviously. So, uh, But if you can, I know it is Father's Day, and so if you've already got plans to do lunch and that kind of stuff, we totally understand. Uh, but we do need to, some help setting things up, moving some furniture around here. So if you can give about a half hour, uh, 45 minutes of your time, if your Father's Day plans are late in the evening, we would really... Uh, and, and encourage you to stick around and help us out. So it'll probably take us maybe a half hour, maybe closer to an hour uh, to get everything done. I think we have some pizza for you. I know that's not great Father's Day lunch, but at least fills your tummy that may be a little hungry. So, all right. Yeah, we are uh, spending uh, nine weeks of summer looking at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And so, you know, as Josh said last week, and just a beautiful reminder for us, remember the, the fruit is singular. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. And, and it's just a reminder for us is that these are nine different facets or aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And so we're just taking one out each week and just kind of examining it, looking at it, taking a look at primarily Jesus' life and see if there's something that he's teaching us about this aspect of the fruit, or is there a way that he lives it out that we want to take a look at? And one of the reasons, or maybe there's a couple reasons why we're, we're diving into this and spending some time here is because, number one, <laughs> I need it, right? I don't know about you. Like, if you just spend some time examining your own prayers, if I looked at my own prayers over the last week, I find facets of these nine pieces of fruit and, like, asking God to do this in me. Like, God, give me more love. Like, help me to be gentle and kind in this situation. Give me self-control. Give me patience. I don't know about you. If you're a parent here, that's what you're asking for a whole lot. Give me patience. Give me patience. If you are in a workplace or whatever, if you're in the context of relationships, you're probably asking for patience. And so, like, I need it. And, and I'm going to be safe to say that, that you need it. I doubt anyone's coming in here going, man, I'm knocking all nine of those out of the park. Like, I am dominating the fruit of the Spirit. No, I would say that most of us in this room are asking the Spirit of God to, to cultivate, deepen this more and more in my life. Another reason why we're doing this is that I, I think the world needs it. The world needs a church, a body of people that have the fruit of the Spirit put on display. So the fruit of the Spirit isn't just for us to feel good about ourselves, right? 
It's not for us to kind of like, wow, I'm maturing, I'm growing, look how patient I am. No, the fruit of the Spirit is to be felt and experienced in the context of relationships. And this world that is apart from Jesus Christ needs a church that is loving, that is joyful, that is peaceful, that is gentle, that is kind, that is patient, and has self-control. This is what the world needs to experience and see. And so, I don't know about you, I'm excited about working through this and really just asking the Spirit of God to, to deepen an aspect of this fruit in my own life. And so today we're looking at peace, all right? Peace, right? So that's what we're looking at today. And we're looking at the same kind of context that we looked at last week at the last meal of Jesus with his followers. And so if you can, won't you stand with me? And we're going to read verses 25 through 27. I think the passage of Scripture is in your bulletin, but I think it kind of has more of the context there. But we're just going to look at these two verses and primarily spend the most of our time in verse 27. So hear the word of the Lord. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. And then verse 27 Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give you. I did not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Our good Heavenly Father, we we come to you as a body needing your Spirit's help, Lord, especially as we We look at a subject matter called peace, which is a longing and desire that all of us in this room have. And Lord, I'm sure there's some or maybe many of us that have come in and and the last thing they would describe their world as is peace. It's very unsettled and maybe they're dealing with suffering and difficulty. So Lord, may your, your spirit be kind to us and help us to step in and live more and more into this fruit here. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to answer the question, what is this peace that Jesus gives? So this, this little phrase that he says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, was a kind of like a, the, the Jewish customary way of greeting one another as well as kind of like saying bye to one another. All right? It's kind of like a, a sending out. And so Within the context here, obviously, Jesus is not saying this to his disciples as saying hello, because they're having a meal together. It's their last meal together. It's more of kind of like a, a benediction, a farewell. And this, this, this benediction, this kind of farewell that Jesus is giving to disciples has content to it. It has power to it. It has substance to it. So when we say bye, we're just wishing someone bye. You know what I'm saying? There's not anything like powerful by me saying peace to you or saying goodbye. There's no substance to that, so to speak. But when Jesus says it, there is. And so the question I want to ask, just, just quickly here, is what is this peace that Jesus is giving to the disciples and what is this peace that Jesus is giving to us this morning? And so I think there are two, all right? There are probably more, but I think there are two that are primary that we see not only in this text, but in the whole of the Bible. So the first one is this, all right? And this may be like no-brainer, but I'm not going to just skim over this because I think this is vitally important. 
the first peace that Jesus gives to us is peace with God. And you got to understand this within the context that this is written. So this is the, the last meal that he's having with his friends, with his disciples. And a few hours later, he's going to die on a cross. And the reason why he's going to die on a cross is for the forgiveness of the sin that you and I committed against God. The, the first and foremost and foundational peace that Jesus gives to us is peace with God. That is why he has come. Paul summarizes this so beautifully in chapter 5, verse 1, when he says this, Therefore, since we, those who are in Christ, have been justified, made right, is what the word justified basically means, through faith, we now have this. We have peace with God. How do we get that? We got it through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we look at our world and specifically even in our city and we see 60 plus murders since the beginning of this year, the question is why? Why is this world so full of division and hatred and war and murder? Like why can't there be peace with one another? Well, the simple clear answer that Christianity gives is this, it's because there is sin. Sin enters the world in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve said, shove off God, I'm going to do my own deal. And when sin entered into the world, that brought separation, that brought division, and it brought enmity between us and God. And that enmity that's present between us and God is felt in the enmity that is happening against one another. And so, yes, I get, guys, I'm not trying to make things so simplistic and trite. There's a whole lot of complexities to the 60-plus murders that we've experienced in Metro Little. But here's what I am saying. At the source, at the root of that is sin. And when sin is here, there is no peace with God, then therefore there is not peace with one another. And so the first thing, that Jesus comes to do the very first and foremost peace that Jesus gives to us as a gift is peace with God. And so I would just say this, guys, look, if, if you're here this morning and you are apart from Christ, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, then then I want to suggest to you, all right, and you may have some pushback, and you can give me pushback later after I get done here, you know, because it's not a dialogue. I get that. So I get there's all kinds of pushback that goes on in your mind. But here's what I would say to you. If you do not have a relationship with God, then any kind of peace that you experience is counterfeit. And I would also add to that it's really dangerous. Because what it's doing is it's camouflaging your greatest need. It's causing you not to feel this unsettledness that is in your soul because you don't have peace with God. I mean, how else are you going to explain Matthew chapter 19 when a wealthy, rich man who's all put together, I mean, he is, he's a good dude. He's a good man. He's, you know, obeys the laws, good citizen, probably took care of his parents and, you know, Gave to the poor. Oh, I mean, this is a good, wealthy man. But he seeks Jesus out and basically asks this, how do I get to heaven because there's still something lacking in me? 
What drives a man who is outwardly all put together, but still going, man, there's just something not right. I would say there's no peace in his own heart. There's an unsettledness because he doesn't have peace with God. And any other kind of peace that you have is counterfeit and very, very dangerous. And that if, if that is you here this morning, then my prayer for you and hopefully You've got friends and family members that are praying for you that God would unsettle you, that he would come and rock your world. To where this peace, this sort of counterfeit peace would blow up and you would see your real need and your real need is Jesus because Jesus is the only one that dealt with your sin problem in order for us to have peace with God. That's First and foremost, that's the peace that Jesus is giving. First and foremost, peace with God. Secondly, and this is kind of probably more at hand in this context, is this, is that Jesus is also giving us the peace of God. So yeah, they're, they're different, they're distinct, but they're not separate. So you can't have peace with God without also having the peace of God, and you can't have the peace of God without the peace with God. Now look what he says here in verse 27. The peace I leave with you and my peace I give to you, I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So, so the opposite of peace in this passage of scripture is troubled. It's a troubled heart. It's, it means to kind of have this um, emotional distress. It's like the rough waters are being stirred up in your interior world. So the opposite of peace in this, this passage is your heart is troubled and you are afraid. And what Jesus is offering us is this, is that in the midst of the troubling, difficult world, I'm going to give you a steadiness, a settledness, a calmness. It's called the peace of God to where the world would look at you and go, wow, that should be rocking you a little bit. You should be a little more unsettled. What is going on with you? And what is going on with you is that Jesus has deposited in you the spirit of God that is then therefore giving you the peace of God so that you have a kind of a frame of heart that is constant, solid, and confident no matter what kind of conditions you're in. He's given you a calmness of spirit. That is the peace of God that he's given to you. But listen, you can't have that unless you first have peace with God. Yes, they're different and distinct, but they're not separate. And Jesus says, look, this peace of God is way different than the world. I'm not giving you a kind of peace that the world gives you. Well, what kind of peace does the world give you? Well, I'm glad you asked. The first kind of peace is this. The world gives you peace through ignorance. You follow me? Have you guys ever got like some kind of weird ailment? Not sure what's going on with you. And you get on the internet and you start searching, right? Go to WebMD. And after about four hours of doing that, are you peaceful? <laughs> Most likely you're not. You probably convince yourself that you've got that rare disease, right? You're going to die in an hour. You need to go to the hospital, right? So the world tells you to the way for you to have peace is don't think. Don't reflect. Christianity comes and says, no, 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 it's the very opposite of that. Actually, peace, the peace of God 
arises from a greater awareness through a deeper, truer reflection of your condition. And your condition is this, is that you're adopted into God's family. You are accepted. You are loved. You're an heir to the throne of the universe. Man, you know God is loving, that he's good, that he's kind, that he's wise. You know the future. You know where all this is going. And a Christian's peace gets more settled, more deep when you think and you reflect. The peace that this world wants to give you is a peace through ignorance. That's not Christianity. That's why Jesus says in verse 26 that the counselor's coming, the Holy Spirit's coming. And what is the job of the Holy Spirit? This is what I'm giving to you when you receive me. He is here to teach you all things and to remind you of everything that I've said. So Jesus is not giving us a peace like the world. It's unlike the world because this kind of peace comes as you think as you reflect, as you talk about more and more of who your God is and who you are now in Christ. Peace doesn't come through ignorance. Christian peace comes through thinking. Another way that the world gives us peace is kind of like this peace through circumstances, right? It's kind of like joy. As long as my world's going well, as long as things are happening good for me, I got the job, kids are great, they're obedient, you know, I got the girlfriend, I got the boyfriend, got the A, got the scholarship, whatever it is. As long as all that's going well, then man, I'm calm, I'm settled, I'm peaceful. But as soon as something happens in one of those areas, it's gone. And Jesus is going, look, look, I'm going to give you a peace that's not based on your circumstances. I mean, look what Jesus is getting ready to face. Look what he's getting ready to go to. He's getting ready to get, you know, you know, falsely accused, go through a crazy trial, get crucified. I mean, it's horrible what he's getting ready to go through in a short few hours. And he's trying to sit down with these disciples and say, look, you're not going to be any different than me. If the world hated me, guess what? They're going to hate you. If there's been trouble and difficulty for me in this world, guess what? There's going to be trouble and difficulty and hatred and hardship in this world. You're not going to be immune from it. In fact, he's really clear in John 17. He says, I'm not going to take you out of this world. I don't know about you. There's a part of me who wished that little passage of Scripture wasn't in the Bible, right? Because what, what does he mean by the way? Translation means this. I'm not going to keep you from suffering. You're not going to be better than me. I suffered. I'm not going to put a hedge around you and make sure you and your whole family are protected. You live in a fallen, broken world. You're going to suffer. You're going to have pain. You're going to have difficulty. It's going to come. But I'm going to give you a peace, a calmness of spirit, a settledness that you can't work for. It's a gift that I'm depositing in your own soul, that through the Spirit of God that is within you, he will give you a poise, a resolve in the midst of disturbing, unsettling, difficult circumstances. He will bring a calm in your spirit that, as Paul says it, is a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's not a peace that comes through circumstances. It's a peace that comes in spite of whatever circumstances you're in, no matter what conditions you are. I mean, one of the most beautiful places we see this illustrated, and there's a, a ton of them, but one of the most beautiful places is when, uh, in Mark chapter 4, when, when the disciples get in a boat with Jesus and Jesus takes a nap. Doesn't Jesus go to sleep at the most inappropriate times, right? It's like, for real, right? I mean, look what he says here in verse 35 of Mark 4. 
As evening came, Jesus and his disciples, let us cross the other side of the lake. And so they took Jesus in the boat and started out. But soon a fierce storm came up. And so these guys were fishermen, been on this lake forever. So this must have been a pretty crazy storm because these guys were freaking out. High waves were breaking into the boat and it, it began to fill with water. And then Jesus was sleeping. A 30-year-old man taking a nap. At the back of the boat, I love the kind of detail that Mark gives to us with his head on a cushion. It's like he brought that with him. You know what I'm saying? Bring him a cushion with me. I know what I'm doing on the boat, right? It's like that little cushion you see in the plane people have around their neck. They bring, I'm, I'm prepared for a little nap, right? I don't know. But I just find that interesting detail, don't you? And the disciples woke him shouting, teacher, right? Don't you care? We're all going to drown. Isn't that kind of the first thing that we say? I mean, put a metaphor in there, right? I don't know if it's a boat. I mean, like all of us have been there when we feel like the, the waves of, of difficulty and pain have been crashing against us. Some of you may be here right now, and you feel like, man, your boat is sinking. Man, it is, it's just not waves beating up again. It, it's in the boat, and we're going down, Right? And what is the kind of first natural instinctive response? Hello, right? Are you indifferent to what is going on in my world? You pray, you cry out, feel like you're just kind of hitting a closed ceiling. Don't you care? See, that's one way that you can take this story. You can say, oh, you know, God just doesn't give a rip. He's just a deistic God that kind of made everything and threw it out out there and just kind of like hands off. Hey, go do your own deal. And he's not involved in his creation. Well, that's not true. Romans 8 tells us that if we're in Christ, oh, man, he is all about you. He is for you. There's, there's nothing, nothing's going to happen to keep you away from the love of Jesus. He is on your team, so to speak. So the other way to take this story is this. If Jesus is calm... I can be calm. Look what happens in verse 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? See, I don't feel like that's a, a question where Jesus is coming at like a frustrating rebuke. I don't. I think it's a gentle, tender invitation. Like, who's with you, right? What have you seen? What have you experienced? Why are you afraid? I'm, I'm right here. I'm right here. The peace of God is a gift that Jesus gives to us to where there can be a subtleness and a calmness in our world even when circumstances and conditions and stuff going on is chaotic. I know some of you, when you hear that, you're like, man, wow, that just makes me feel worse. Because it just isn't that easy for me. And I get that. I do. 
There's some of you in this room that God has kind of temperamentally wired you to where you, you, you just kind of have an easy way of going to anxiety and worry and concern and fretting. Some of it's temperamental. Some of it's like your family upbringing. And some of it's just the experience of your own life. You know, when you lose a daughter, like trust is really hard. It is. I know it's kind of hard for me to even say that as your pastor, but it is. Sometimes it's just hard to trust that God's going to take care of the boys when they go somewhere, when they do this. And we went to a slip and slide party Friday night, and oh my gosh, I was like freaking out inside. I'm like, this is an accident waiting to happen. Like, we probably yelled at my youngest son a hundred times that night because it's like, party on, man. Let's go as fast as we can down this hill. I don't care. I'm like, ah! <laughs> like, son, stop it! But if that's you, I just want to, I just want to, as best I can, offer to you what I think Jesus would say. He's not angry. He's not frustrated. He empathizes with you. He's very tender. And it doesn't mean that this fruit is not being developed and cultivated in your life because the fruit of the Spirit is a whole. It, it's in you. It's present. If you're in Christ, it is fully present in you. Maybe not functionally yet, but that's what we're in this world to do. Like, like God working this out in us, but it's fully present in you. And I just want to say to you, if that is you, then just, just come to the Lord. Come to Jesus. He's tender toward you. And some of you in this room, you're, you're temporarily wired to be worry-free and carefree and whatever. You know, what are you overthinking everything? Right? You know what I'm saying? Like some of you are like that. And, and I just want to say that doesn't mean that, you know, you've got the fruit of the spirit of peace, right? It just means that God's been really kind to you, Right? Yes. But there is a peace that Jesus gives you. It's the peace of God. You don't have it unless you have the peace with God. You got, that's the first step. No, no, you can't skip over. <laughs> no, because God may come in your world and rock your world and not give you peace so you can go back and do first number one. You need to get peace with me. And then the peace of God comes. So if this is what we have, like if this is what Jesus is giving to us, and the fruit of the Spirit is not just for us to hoard and keep to ourselves and, wow, I'm peaceful, right? The goal wasn't just to kind of have this inner calmness and settleness out. I'm finally there. No, what we want to do with the fruit is it's to be visible. It's to be shared. It's to be in the context of relationships. When you look at Galatians chapter 5, that's written not to one person, Right? Galatians is not a guy, right? It's not like, I'm writing to Galatia. No, he's writing to a city, to a people, to churches in there. And when he lays out this fruit of the Spirit, he has in mind that this is to be worked out and felt in the context of relationships. And so if I've got peace with God and I have the peace of God, then therefore, what does that mean? What is that, what's the implication of that? What does that feel like within the context of relationships? Well, I'll tell you, you're peacemakers is what you are. Followers of Jesus Christ are people who pursue peace. Followers of Jesus Christ are people whose relational presence is a presence of peace. 
that your reputation isn't always the individual. Oh man, here she comes. If there's anybody who's gonna give pushback, it's her, right? Oh, here he comes. Oh man, we've laid an idea out here. If there's anybody that's gonna kind of come in and, and rock the peace, it's this guy. No, that's not the reputation of Christ followers. We are to be pursuers. Our relational felt presence is a presence of peace. Peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Big difference in there. Peacekeepers are those who have peace at all costs, at the sacrifice of truth. Whoa, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to cause this problem. Oh, I don't want my interior world to get all weird, so I'm just going to keep the peace. I'm going to kind of, you know, skirt around the truth. I'm going to withhold truth. And that's all just basically telling lies, right? We're not called to be peacekeepers. We're called to be peacemakers. And sometimes peacemakers means that you're causing things to be a little unsettled. And you may not have peace for a season. Now, I can just, we can sit here for hours, and I can give you illustration upon illustration in my own life of what this looks like, like in the negative, not in the positive, right? If that's me, man, I'm, dude, I, I want to keep the peace at all costs. Like, I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to cause conflict. I mean, I, man, I don't want to disturb things. I just, wanna, I just want everybody to be happy, right? Just be happy. Be okay, right? freaking out, right? That's just what I want. And sometimes, like, guys, I'm just telling you, sometimes there, the difficulty of this in my own world sometimes causes me to doubt even my calling as a pastor. Because there are seasons when the last thing I have in my world, and when I put all of my worlds together, not just leading this congregation, but leading a staff, leading an elder, being a part of a leadership council that oversees four other sites, and then I'm in the home, right? I got stuff there. It's not like, this is awesome, and then, no, it, like, and there's times and seasons in my life where all of that is chaotic. All of that is where I'm trying to muster up enough energy to go and confront this, talk about this. Oh, this is not going to be pleasant, but I got to step in here, and then I got to go home, and I got to be a dad. And I'm telling you, I had this conversation with Kathy a couple weeks ago. I'm going, look, honey, Look, my world is in one of those seasons where everything's like, I've got to confront so many little issues right now. I've got to know that there's some place in my world that's okay. So even if you have to lie to me, give me a season of lying, right? Because I'm not going to make it. I'm going to go work at Chick-fil-A, right? Amen. And just put a little chicken patty in there. Love you. My pleasure. Dude, man. I could be a peacekeeper at Chick-fil-A, amen? I can do it and be a darn good one, right? Yeah. I forgot to tell Kathy about this, so hopefully I can get forgiveness. So <laughs> um, a week ago, Saturday, we celebrated our 22nd anniversary. Um, yeah, thank you. That's good. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't do a whole lot because her, we got married on the same day that her mom and dad did, and they were celebrating their 50th anniversary. And so it's like, ah, we probably should celebrate that, right? It's like, that's kind of one of those things like, nah, we can't trump ours, right? It's 50's kind of a big deal. But we did have a chance to kind of just sit out on our back porch and just drink coffee together and talk and we'll read and stuff like that. And our kids were watching something. I don't know what they were doing. They weren't tearing up anything, so that was a good thing. So 
gave us a little peace, right? Yeah. And so while we're talking, my, my wife brings up a situation. Um, and in this situation, I have like knowledge about the situation that I have chosen to withhold. So to kind of give you a little backstory, so I was in Walmart the night before, got some information about a situation, and as I'm in Walmart and on my way home, I'm like going, ah, man, if I share this with Kathy, it means we're going to have to do this, this, and this, and this is going to cause a lot of problems and conflict, and ah, I just want peace, right? And so I just kept it myself. And then she brings it up, and at that moment, I just didn't say anything. <laughs> it's like, I'm not really lying, right? You know, <laughs> it's like I'm just choosing to sort of withhold something that she would need to hear. And so a few minutes pass, and this isn't anything good about me. It's the Spirit of God at work, and I'm thankful for that. Um, I just came and kind of gave her full disclosure of what was going on there. And so, like, yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it hurt her, um, and rightfully so. Um, you know, obviously asked for forgiveness, told her I'm very sorry. It's not what I want in a relationship. Um, and just like Kathy's been over 22 years, she's very gracious and kind. That's how marriages work. You, you extend a lot of forgiveness. But the reality was is that it wasn't that great of a day. It was still kind of awkward. I mean, it wasn't like love withheld. I mean, just it's just, you know how it is. It's just a little awkward. You kind of have to get through that. See, peacemaking may unsettle. It really may. It may cause a little weirdness. But standing here today, I'm thankful I did. I'm thankful I didn't just keep the peace. I'm thankful that I, I know I'm not withholding anything but I've given full disclosure, you know what I'm saying? So look, I, I know this, this can be kind of a sermon in and of itself, right? I mean, just trying to think through all the relational people that you have and, and people that have hurt you and this, and like, what does this mean? What does it mean for me to pursue peace? What does it mean to be, me to be a peacemaker? And, and the best thing I can do for you is, to, is just kind of go back to Scripture and what Paul says, right? What he says in Romans chapter 12 kind of gives us a, a principle, guidance here when he says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, what we want, okay, well, what I want is I want Paul to give me, like, all the examples of what that means, right? As far as it depends on you, i.e., here you go, right? That's what we want, what is it, verse 19 through whatever to be. But he doesn't. Why? But it, because if you're in Christ, then the Spirit of God dwells in you. And he knows you're going to be a part of a community of people like this, a church. And so the Spirit of God dwelling in you along with the people of God will help you to put kind of parameters and definition to as far as it depends on me. Live at peace. Hopefully you're following me. You have peace with God. Peace of God leads us to be peacemakers. Like It doesn't stop with just those first two. There's an implication to that. And so then, therefore, God, look, we are, we are a people who cultivate, who pursue as far 
as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. So I will seek to address and resolve conflict, even if it means my world is going to be unsettled. I will be one who is quick to apologize and at the same time quick to forgive. And maybe your way of, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to live at peace. I'm going to go and seek forgiveness from someone who has hurt me. Like I'm not just keeping it in their court. As a pursuer of peace, as a Christ follower, I've been forgiven. Jesus has fully forgiven me. He's not holding anything back, and I'm still blowing it, right? I'm still messing up. But he's not withholding his love. He's not kind of like, oh, well, you got to get. No, he, he pursues after me. We, we ought to do the same. We pursue after those who have hurt us. And I know, guys, I know there's a lot of complexity here, and I don't have all the answers for you, but the Spirit of God and the community of God do. Let me just ask you this. How's your bitterness working for you? Because that's what unforgiveness does. How's your bitterness working for you? I promise you this. It's not working real well. And if it is, then give it some time. We'll be a people that, and maybe this is more me. All right, this may not be the Bible, but I don't know. We'll be a people who avoid sarcasm. I've just never seen sarcasm bring unity. I don't know. Maybe you can do it in such a way where it does. But usually sarcasm is the truth that's supposed to be funny. Never figured that out, right? It's usually pretty hurtful. We're going to be a people that don't jump to defend ourselves. Why? Why do you have to defend yourself? Jesus is your defender. Put your hands down. You don't have to. You're safe with God. You're accepted in the beloved. You don't need to defend. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. It starts with peace with God. You need Jesus. That's your first step. Then the peace of God, this this calmness, this settledness, man, that, that all of us want in spite of what's going on in our world. It's a gift that's given. And that empowers you to be peacemakers. So even as we get ready to take communion, I, I think this is a fair question. Like, what conflicts are going on in your world that the Spirit of God is bringing to your memory or in your mind and saying, look, I, I need to take the first step. Maybe instead of taking communion, you walk out into the atrium and you make a phone call. Or you find the person in this room and say, hey, can I talk to you for a little bit? We are to be peacemakers as far as it depends on you. Let's pray.